Welcome back to Meanwhile at the Museum, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of Cincinnati Museum Center, sharing some of our favorite stories, favorite memories, and just the wacky moments you don't see on the museum floor. I'm Cody Hefner, Vice President of Marketing and Communications, and today I'm here with Renee Dean, who you may also know as... Venomous Valdez. Venomous Valdez. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I was a rock and roll uh, radio DJ. For 20-some-odd years. In, here in Cincinnati? Here in Cincinnati, yeah. I interned a little bit at 97X. I started at WAIF, where I did a live radio show for eight years. I'd go around to the venues in town. I'd broadcast bands playing live from the venues. And then sometimes I would interview them afterwards or bring them into the studio to perform. And then after that, I went to WEBN. I was at WNKU, and then the last seven years I was at the project until 2021. But I started in 1999. No kidding. So, so you've seen a ton of bands, a ton of acts, and um, most of the stations rock, right? Except for WNKU, right? Correct. I mean, hey, the North, the North know but how to I rock brought, too. I brought the rock to, to WNKU, <laughs> but on top of that, I was also uh, my life before COVID. It was all music, so I would tour with bands. I was a tour manager, or production manager, or merge manager, depending on what type of tour I was on. Um, and then I would also run production at Bogarts, or I did production over at Riverbend or any of the stadium concerts. And I was also operations manager of Midpoint Music Festival. No kidding. No kidding. All right, so real quick, we're going to take a quick detour, but I'm fascinated by this, so we're going to really focus on this. What's your role here at Cincinnati Museum Center? What What's your title, and then what does that mean? What's your role? I'm the event manager here. So when you are a couple that wants to get married, or if you are a uh, corporation that wants to have some sort of work day or a fun day with your employees, I'm the one that would book that for you and then execute your event for you. Fantastic. So we'll, we'll come back to that. Also, we're going to be all over the place today, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So of those bands that you've either interviewed or seen or toured with, which has been your favorite? That's a really tough question to answer because I name drop like your top five so I'm also still uh, to to go back uh, I still have one account I'm still the music director for the Western Southern Open every year this year will be my 13th year so I book the bands and I execute the concert series Um, so that's still near and dear to my heart uh, because most people uh, that attend this don't live here so it's a lot of -of out-of-towners that come in and my, the thrill for me is watching how people connect to music, and it has always been that. Um, and there are bands that I have worked with that have that connection that I love to watch the interaction with the audience. One of my favorite things, um, there's an artist from England called Frank Turner, and when he would come to, uh, to Bogarts, and I did uh, some shows with him, uh, his fans really have a connection with his uh, heart felt music and I would sit out back with him so he could meet and greet um, on his own time not in any official uh, paid meet and greet like some artist does and just to listen to how people are moved and right now since this is Swift and Natty because Taylor Swift yeah it's that same thing uh, I know her her bass player is from Cincinnati he was in a band called Oval Opus for 
many years, and he's been with Taylor for at least 10, 12 years. Her mixing editor lives here in Cincinnati. Uh, so we, that energy that we're all experiencing right now is something that I just adore, even though I'm no longer part of that. Uh, I'm still like professionally crushing on that stage performance and the production of that and and the kind of energy that brings to it because this is the way Midpoint Music Festival used to uh, feel for me is that energy knowing that for three days you could go all over downtown and find bands that you can connect with. Just this citywide Just, buzz it around city-wide. it. Citywide. So it depended on which year. We'd have 17 to 23 venues. Most of them weren't even music venues that I had to turn into. What's that like to to take a venue that's not a music venue and turn it into one? Is that um, Does that amplify the experience? Like to see a band in a place where you don't expect to see a band or you've not heard music before? It. It certainly is, but it's very difficult. I'm sure. Um, because you're asking a business to forego their profits for a weekend to make zero or less pro- profits. Um, and that was part of the d- demise of the setup of Midpoint. Because uh, for those that don't know, it was very much like a South by Southwest uh, music festival in Cincinnati, and it ran from 2001 after the riots is when uh, Bill and Sean started it. Um, and my role in the very beginning is I was broadcasting on my radio show um, on that Friday and Saturday nights, uh, and then I eventually came into the production side of it. Um, but it, you know, it was just a showcase of like, come down to Cincinnati. We have we have a lot of talent, and you're not going to hear it on MTV. Well, actually, some bands from Cincinnati made it that far, but you know what I mean? Like it, it, It's one of those things. We have this amazing art scene, and music is art, and it seems to be like the redheaded stepchild of the art scene in Cincinnati. Uh, so it seems like you always have to fight harder. But we're seeing the fruits of those labors uh, pay off. Like, look how many kids are coming to Taylor Swift, and the hope is that they will go to Motor or, or Woodwood or... or uh, the Southgate House, because they're into the music. Right. Yeah, it can be an intro into that. And that's trying to introduce people and finding those entry points to open that door further for people. And if Taylor Swift is is that for people and, it, it you know, if young kids are going to their first concert and like, oh, my gosh, I love live music. What's next? What else can we do? Uh, that's that's great. And for a woman to sell out. This is Absolutely. almost unheard of. So, I, you know, uh, Cody, it was almost 10 years before I ever met another female tour manager. Really? I mean, I started in 1999. It just wasn't, you didn't encounter it that much. If there was a woman on tour, she was usually selling merch. Um, but since then, there are artists out there that specifically try to do all women crew or mostly women crew. Um, I think one of the most popular ones is that uh, Harry Styles uh, most of his crew is women, and I really appreciate that. That's that's a really interesting point because a lot of things you, the there are a lot of inequities and a lot of um, gender inequity in different roles. I mean, we see it here at the museum center in STEM. So we have a program called STEM Girls to try to see if we can level that in some way or just inspire young girls to pursue STEM careers that they're often. Not necessarily deterred from, but they don't see people that look like them in those fields. And uh, in the music industry as well, sure, you have female performers and, and things like that, but not in 
in all the roles. So people giving opportunities to women or make being very intentional about it is really important. And it's you're right. I, I think having young girls see this and, and what I think is is really fascinating um, about Taylor Swift being in Cincinnati is there are a lot of moving parts to it and people are paying attention to all those moving parts that are hopefully highlighting what all goes into it and people are looking around saying oh, I love being around music I didn't realize these were all the opportunities for it yeah it's one of those things that just like the stem girls program you have to get them when they're young and you know for the most part uh, for me as a gen xer coming of age during grunge the 90s were full of women musicians that were selling really well and then at something happened on the corporate radio level uh, in the early 2000s where less and less women were getting played on the radio. It was more and more male rock driven on rock radio. So as Venomous Valdez, as you're DJing, how much control do you have over what's played? In 100%. You, did, did you intentionally try to play more female musicians? Well, I intentionally tried to play all different kinds. Not just women, but minorities in different genres. I was a very unique, privileged radio DJ where all of my shows on every station that I've been on, I'm the one that programmed the music. I'm the one that picked it out. And my approach to that is very much, I have an ear that I have two opinions, and sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're separate. Um, What I like personally and what I like professionally, because I can listen to a song and and recognize that someone else will connect to it. I might not like it, but I don't have the ego to think that only my taste could be popular music. I can listen to a song and be like, you know what, I think Cody will really like this band or connect it, and I would send it to you or play it on the radio or book them for whatever event that I'm having. Uh, let's, ooh, I'm gonna, well, let's do a little game. So what, <laughs> if you're going to say, all right, this is Cody's playlist. Here are five songs I'm going to play because I think Cody will like them. What what would five songs that you would pick for me? I have absolutely no idea. No? Because I don't know you well enough to give you recommendations because I, I don't know what type of music you can listen to. But once I get to know you, I can also recommend what type of artists you would like or TV shows or movies. Like I, I'm, I'm very big in, into the art. So um, to to go back to, to finish answering your question, yes. since I kind of a little diverted, you had asked me who I've worked with at some of my favorite shows. Um, there was a band, there's a, still together, called Highly Suspect. Um, if you haven't heard from them, they're fantastic. Uh, I have been rooting for these guys because they started out as like a cover band on the East Coast for like 10 years playing small little venues. And then they slowly started playing original music and getting popular. I personally, if I had betting money, I'd be like, man, this has got to be the biggest uh, rock band out there. Um, I was hired to make a skate park into a concert venue for them in northern right. Kentucky some years ago. So that stands out as like one of my favorite professional shows that I put together because, again, my speciality is making a concert venue that's not a concert venue. <laughs> Thanks to Midpoint. What's what's the wildest venue that you've turned into a concert venue? Uh, probably the skate park. Yeah, um, Yeah, because mostly Midpoint was parks, parking lots, um, stores or like a nightclub that plays like not midpoint music. <laughs> so someone, those were all around it. But I think the skateboard 
the skate park was probably my my favorite because it was very unique and the fans were they were just fantastic. Now, growing up in the grunge era, a skate park is a perfect venue right. for a concert. It really right? is. It really is. But it was their idea. It wasn't mine. Um the the singer of that band is big into skateboarding. So I met them at a um their concert in Kentucky and just talking with them and their manager. They're like, "Hey, we kind of have this idea. Uh we want to do a concert at a skate park." And, you know, I rattle up and I'm like, well, you know, I'm less than two hours away. There's a great one in northern Kentucky. Let's do it. And we did it like two months later. It went like that. So it was fantastic. How does that how does that translate to working with with brides and mothers of brides and corporate professionals looking for space for for weddings or, or lunches or recognition dinners and things like that here? Well, a lot of them ask for entertainment. And and most people, your average Cincinnatian, they're not going to know who's the best wedding band or who's the most entertainment, um, you know, that would fit my uh, event. That's where my expertise comes in because, A, I know AV, so there's somebody here at night that can run the sound for them. Um, and, B, I know so many different genres. All you have to tell me is, what do you want? Do you want 1940s music? Do you want, you know, circus Act? Do you want a wedding band? Do you want, you know, just tell me the genre and I know it. I know somebody that I can recommend and place in here. My dream, even though you haven't asked my question, answered this question yet, but uh, I'm going to do it. My dream is to have a Cincy Museum Music Festival. I need grant money for this to happen, but I think that would be uh, my, my dream at this venue because we have so many great places inside this museum that that could happen i would love nothing more to have like a musical hunt have acoustic musicians throughout the museums as you go through and enjoy it and put one in the regurt and one in uh newsreel and then possibly a big band uh out in the parking lot maybe one in the rotunda I, that's um, that's what i'd like to do that's I need so money. cool <laughs> that's so cool i thinking of I mean, union terminal is an iconic building it's it really an iconic is. venue uh but I mean, we are on the uh, tour poster for the Grateful Dead from the 80s. Really? Yeah, it's hanging up in my, in my oh, cubicle. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. But like, it's a building that's been repurposed that's not this, uh, you know, not what it was. It's not being used the way it was designed. Right. So it was designed as a train station. Now it's a multi-museum complex. But that's that's the fun of it yeah. is... How else can it serve the community? Can it reach the community? Can it uh, reinvent itself or present itself in different ways? So that would be very cool. It would be to very do a music cool. fest. There was uh, a project that I worked on that didn't come into fruition. Um, and I think I may be wrong in the band, but I think it was Mumford and Sons where they did a series of train concerts. So I was working on trying to do that or a uh, steamboat concert oh, going cool. from down the Ohio River from Cincinnati to uh, St. Louis and having different concerts with a traveling band. Uh, and I don't remember why that didn't happen. Probably finance fell through because that's usually what happens. But, yeah. Money rules everything, right? Yeah, money rules everything. That's crazy. So when you looked in 2021 and you're looking for a change, what leads you to this role? What leads you to Cincinnati Museum Center? I mean, when, when's the first time you visited 
Cincinnati Museum Center. Well, I grew up in Cincinnati, so like every other Cincinnati, and I came here in elementary school. Yeah. And well, field trips, right? Field trips, yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, and it leaves a lasting impression because once you've been in this building, you don't forget it. It is a stunner of a building. And um, it was built the year that my grandfather uh, was born. Finished really? in 1933, I should say. And then my other grandfather, my personal connection to this building, he was the first troop to leave for World War II out of the train station. They volunteered before uh, America entered the war. And so his face is front and center on that day's uh, newspaper from the Cincinnati Enquirer in, I think, 1941. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, that's my personal connection. So I think when you're a Cincinnatian, we all have this this connection to this building. So for me... Um, you know, the great change. A lot of us had to change after uh, COVID. My industry wasn't going to come back anytime soon. So the Mm -hmm. governor had lifted the orders in June uh, of that year that large events can happen again. But touring, nothing, I mean, the shortest booking time is usually six months. Your large bands like Taylor Swift, I'm sure that that's been on on the books for at least a year, year and a half, maybe even two years. Uh, a lot goes into that. Uh, so in June, I am not making money to pay my bills because, you know, I'm not like, fan, you know, independently wealthy. Uh, I chose music. So we're all mostly poor. <laughs> so I had to look for a job because I at the time when I wasn't on tour, uh, I was part time at Bogarts, which is operated by Live Nation. And they were like, we're not opening up or being able to do anything until September of that year, and that was going to be for regional acts. And my specialty was was working the shows with the large acts because I took care of the uh, performers, whatever they needed to do. Um, if, do you need to drive and go antique shopping, Social D? Yes, I used to do that all the time. Or take them shopping or, you know, whatever their needs were outside of the, the concert venue, I would facilitate that. I worked. I worked at a bar in college that uh, they had music acts, and I had to. Do, I only had to do that once, where I had to take a musician. I took Luke Bryan, and it was he'd I did been a meet and greet with uh, Luke Bryan because I used to run the uh, meet and greets for the country music festival in Nashville for a couple. Of no years. kidding! Yeah, wow, Luke's a nice guy. He would. Yeah, he was great. He. Um, this was maybe one or two one or two years after his first single came out on the radio. So he was, this was probably our last chance to get him in, in this, this small college town, but um, he needed to go to Walmart. And he's like, can you, does any, can, can anyone drive me? Can, you know, how, how do we get there? Is there a bus? I was like, I'll drive you. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. So drove him to Walmart to buy underwear. And I was like, (laughs) I had the company card. I was like, we'll pay for it. It's like, you're going to pay for my underwear? I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, I'm a young kid. Sure. Like, this is what we do. Um, he was very nice. And then I had a story to tell that I helped Luke Bryan buy underwear. I've bought a lot of underwear and socks for uh, big names over the years because when you're on tour, you don't really... Laundry is fleeting. Yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of them... Uh, there's a couple artists... Uh, that I worked with that would actually mail their laundry home to their wives. Really? And so they would buy underwear and socks constantly because they would just 
ship home their regular clothes because they didn't want to trust a local laundromat or, or whatever their reasoning was. But that's actually a very popular item in undershirts. I bet the Red Hot Chili Peppers had to buy a lot of socks, too. I'm sure I bet they, they, they bought socks, socks at all their That was their, all their, their costumes for the, <laughs> through the 90s, which I did get to attend one of those. Did you really? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Is is the persona different for musicians? Like everyone has a stage persona, um, you know, where they're really energized, they're really amped up. Do they come off stage and there's just this very chill, relaxed? Like, have you, like, would you say, kind of as a blanket statement that there is a stage persona and then there's an off stage persona with people? For some, yes, I, and I think probably a heavy percentage are like that but there are some that are exactly the way uh, Dave Grohl is exactly the way you think he is the way he comes across in interviews that's him in real life uh, I toured with Justin Timberlake as well and he's another one that is very uh, down to earth he's a funny guy you see that in his interviews and he is that um, and then there are other ones um, who are nothing like their persona I, there has to be. I'm Looking sure there's. At you, Jared Leto. <laughs> yes, I called him out. <laughs> we're, we're roasting people now. We are. That's my name's Venomous Valdez. I can take it. Oh yes. <laughs> oh. Can you give me a DJ name by the by the end of the podcast? So my name was actually given to me. So my um, there was, used to be a radio station in uh, Columbus called CD101, and. Uh, I, growing up in this town, used to skip school and go hang out on Shortvine like everyone else did in the 90s, you know, because that's where all the, like, the punk rock uh, kids hung out at uh, Top Cats and Sudsy Malone's, which, side note, Sudsy Malone's was the very first venue I ever booked. Uh, and then there was a band from Buffalo called the Goo Goo Dolls who were punk rock, those first couple albums. The first two albums were straight punk. Third album... Uh, one of my favorite all-time bands is The Replacement, and uh, they were the producers of the third album. So they were touring little small clubs at the time. So I met them really early on and, and knew all about the, the punk rock. I would not have necessarily guessed on that first album that they would have ended up where they are right. as uh, great pop music writers, you know. Um, and then I had a friend who was a radio DJ who scored... Uh, some years later, it was um, after after the City of Angels soundtracks when they really like uh, popped off yeah. with their. I, I don't remember the name of the song, but uh, every everyone knows it. Every everyone knows it. Everyone's you, you heard can, it. It's been in a zillion movies and commercials at you this can point. Hear it, hear it yeah. in your head right now. Yeah. Um, so he called me and he was like, "I really want to do uh, a really in depth interview," and he was like, "You're the only person I know that knows their early material." So. He had me sit in on that interview, and I'm talking with, with Johnny, the uh, singer and the songwriter. Uh, I was like, well, you know, looking back on it now with hindsight, I can see that some of your lyrics are pretty vehement for a punk rock song. I can see your progression. And he thought I said venomous. And I was like, oh, no, baby doll, I'm venomous. You're vehement. And they started calling me venomous for... Uh, the duration of that uh, interview, and it just kind of stuck at the station that I was working at down here in Cincinnati. And Valdez just came because of my love of coffee, and I thought maybe I could, you know, get away with being the heir to the Juan Valdez coffee fortune. How's that going? Um, it's not. Okay. 
But those guys were so nice, they gave me a signed uh, acoustic guitar. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, which I still have. It's almost faded at this point, because that's already 24, 25 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So how... How do you how do you enjoy the the pace change? I mean, a museum is certainly not uh, you know a rock venue. It's certainly well, not that. It, not everything I did uh, was music related uh, because I was pretty much an independent contractor. So a lot of companies hired me to do marketing events as well. So uh, it's more than just concerts that I that I would do. I would <laughs> I operated some soap opera conventions or a lot of like uh, I was the marketing coordinator for Whorehound um, convention when they started here in Cincinnati then once Walking Dead got popular they no longer needed any help because they would sell out yeah. uh, you know things like so I have all different kinds uh, I had a I, I had a marketing client LASIK for the you know the eye surgery where I would go around and hire a team and uh, you know pass out samples to taste of cincinnati or convention center in columbus what what are lasik eye surgery samples uh pretty much it was pens or the backpacks or oh yeah so, so or you just... sign up for a con well theirs was you would sign up for the mailing list and it would put you into a drawing and you could win a free procedure or you could win a thousand dollars off like there was three so each event that i did had a drawing and you know, oddly enough, the return rate on that was very, very slim. People would win a, f- a free procedure, which we all know is thousands of dollars. Yeah. And they wouldn't go through with it. Just the same thing of like any marketing rebate. Um, most people don't follow through on yeah. that. But if you win something, follow through on that. Why would you enter? People just have to be like, I'm, I'm not going to win this. I'm going to. They, I'm just going to enter anyway. Because they want the but, free shirt or the sunglasses or whatever. I'm that person. For, for whatever that that was. They so. should have give, given out laser pointers. Wouldn't that be on brand? It would be on brand. It'd, it'd be it'd be very popular with right. cats. I think that's an unmissed market for, yeah. <laughs> for uh, laser eye surgery. You know, the power of a free t-shirt is, is something to behold. I've sold my soul multiple times for a free t-shirt. Right? You can never have too many T-shirts. Never have too many T-shirts. So very true. What has been the craziest event that you've managed here <laughs> um, that you can discuss? <laughs> uh, two. We'll just say two. Um, layers. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's behind the scenes, so nobody knows how crazy that we we work. Um, you That's... you asked how how my life has changed so much is um, I work less here than I did before because when you're on tour you're working if your eyes are open you're on, you're working uh, you know so I don't have to work so much here I'm sleeping in my bed every night so um, in some ways it feels like retirement for me because I'm not working myself to death I'm also not constantly having to bid on the next tour or the next marketing job or the next you know, like, for example, P&G would give me marketing dollars to throw on a concert series for them on Fountain Square. You know, I, we could spend an hour just trying to go down my resume. It may even be longer an hour of all the different type of events that I've worked. It, um, it's in scroll form, right? That's the easiest way. So you have to form. drop it and it rolls right, away. Right. Um, so Layers is a really big production behind the scenes that we roll out for our annual gala. 
here at the museum, and it's so much fun. But it's like those are the long, probably the longest days that I work. Layers is is wall to wall. Every gallery, every museum, there's something going on. The rotunda's filled with uh, food vendors and live music or a DJ. Um, there's bars throughout the museums and throughout every level. It's this adults only extravaganza. So it is. It's not just saying the building's fully open. Walk around after hours and explore. It's fully opened. And then fully activated, but you're managing multiple outside vendors because um, a lot of the food vendors are, a majority of them are external. So you're managing all of that. You're managing all those spaces and, you, and you're putting food in places that there are normally not. You're not going to walk up and get ice cream underneath the dinosaur every single day. But, oh, hey, now we have to manage that. What are the dynamics? What are the... Uh, what are the logistics you need to work through to make that happen? So it is, it it's not just figuring that out for the rotunda. It's for every space. Yes, and then we also have like furniture throughout that doesn't live here that that's rentable for the event. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. Rentable even, couches is such a wild thing it to is. me. <laughs> but how often do you get to drink wine with the dinosaurs? I mean, it's it's fantastic. If I wasn't working it behind the scenes, I would buy a ticket and attend it. It's a really fun time. Um, and then on the private event side, um, I really enjoy uh, Indian weddings. Uh, they're a huge production. Culturally, in India, if they've ever met you, you're invited to their wedding. So Indian weddings or like 500, 800, 1,000 people that, that show up because they want everyone to come in, into the wedding. And then they have these, uh, uh, each like person that's part of the wedding party has a traditional dance. So there's like a traditional entrance dance for the wedding party, exit dance. Uh, so there's a lot of energy that goes into it. So those are fun because they're not our, our normal uh, American weddings, you know, that are 100, 200 people. You know, they're, they're a lot more, you know, they're just different. And, and, and it's fun. That's got to be, it, it has to look amazing and, and just sound amazing in this space. And to utilize that in the rotunda and to use the, the museum as a backdrop for that. But the, you know, the colors of that has to be incredible, right? Well, this is stunning of a building. So one thing that I hear uh, most for couples that are potentially looking to get married here or have their, their reception here is that this building endures. If you get married at the strip club, I'm sorry. <laughs> do a lot of marriage. Do a lot. How many people do you know who've gotten married I at the strip club? I actually don't know. Do, <laughs> Valdez yeah. is wild. Great. Um, yeah, I, I meant the strip mall, <laughs> the event center of the strip mall. That's going to be gone in ten years. So this building endures. We are right now the current caretakers. Um, so I think a lot of these couples like the ideal if they choose to have children in the future that they can bring them back and say, this is where your parents got married. Because 10 years, that, that strip mall event center is not going to be there. And in a lot of times, not even the church anymore. Yeah, you're right. And it, a church is uh, a lot of people get married in churches. Um, and a lot of people have, have memories of churches or you know, so it may be meaningful for them. Or this is where my grandparents are, or something like that. But Union Terminal has so many memories for people. Um, maybe they, maybe they came here together in second grade on a field trip, 
and then they grew up and they ended up marrying each other and they they have the entire legacy together um we hear or, a lot of, because uh, we do proms here as well, yeah. so we hear a lot of, I had my prom here, so I want to have my wedding here. A, it, lo- a lot of things like that. That's we, what's that's what's really amazing about this, this place is the lifetime um, touch points and kind of stepping stones that you, you grew up coming here on field trips, and then you, now you work here. You know, you visit as a museum, the museum as an adult, now you work here, you have kids who grew up visiting the children's museum now they're bringing their kids to the children's museum and grandparents have watched you know both grow up in the children's museum you go on a first date here and now you're getting married here it's it is a really incredible place it's just so rich in memory and for couples looking for a place to get married this is we get a lot of proposals here as well and and we'll do if you a lot of them will propose outside by the fountain as because it's just beautiful. But then we'll get people who want to do a private rental to propose. So we'll set them up like in the president's office, which if you've never seen, it's just a gorgeous art deco, like Mad Men type of esque area. We would set up like a private dinner, very romantic, so you can be alone in a beautiful space and um, do your proposal. So we, we get a lot of that as well. It's, uh, it, we had someone propose in the Omnimax Theater once. Interesting that choice. Was, that was very cool because that meant something to them. But to your point, this place endures. It's going to be here. So yeah. it is, um, you can come back and visit and say, this is where we got engaged. This is where we proposed. I, I proposed to my wife. In the rotunda. Did you really? I did. Oh, I did. This is where we met. This is where we. Were you, were you already working here? Uh, yes. Yes. So, uh, but it, it's a special place. and It it's, really is a special place. And I know I know that in 50 years I can come and I can stand in the rotunda and, and say this is where it happened. Because right. it's a national historic landmark. It really it's is. going to endure. It has this draw and this power in the city uh, that theoretically and hopefully ensures that it will continue to be protected. Right. And then on the other end of it, because we, you know, we're talking a lot about weddings, but we do a lot of corporate events because if you want to have a, a employee appreciation day to go out and have fun, this is a great place to have it. If you're having an awards dinner for your employees or, or a holiday party, we usually have so many holiday parties that um, we book up super fast because again. Why wouldn't you want to have cocktails with dinosaurs and have your employees go through the museums and play all the games? Like, it is a great corporate outing. And it's not just for for local companies or or local employees who are familiar with the place, uh, but you have a lot of people who move for work, and so they may be new to Cincinnati, and that's their first time in here. Or um, there are companies that are pulling in employees from across the country to have an yeah, event a lot of, here. Like, regional conferences which, will happen here as well, or national conferences. Imagine a, imagine a company, you know, being being a leader at a company, and you are you have people from out of town walking into this building, being like, "Boom! This is our city. Like this is this is where we can bring you that they can you know pound their chest about it a little bit because it's." A pretty fantastic place. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of great event venues, um, it, but you can kind of make an event venue out of any place, but no right. place like this. Uh, well, we have very few counterparts. Even strip this, clubs. 
um, in this town because after you have an event over 400, there's not that many other places that you could hold an event. Um, and then once you get over 500, it's like us, the convention center, I think the ballroom at the music hall, and the sports stadiums. Those are your choices. You and, know, so, you know. And from a... It, I think one of the connections between managing tours and managing events is the request. Hey, we really want this. And because. So for me, it's the same. Like every event starts off as chaos. <laughs> you know, you, you, there's a zillion working parts. Right. And there's something crazy about me that I enjoy breaking down the chaos just into these little workable parts. So um, they're all relatively. Event is an event is an event, and it doesn't matter what the talent is or what the theme is. They all share common things, and that starts out as chaos and breaking them down and, and putting them in the right areas. Um, you know, some has music, some don't. You know, they, they're all the same. It's all going to be someone's enjoyment for whatever the theme of that event is. It's the same as going to a music concert. Uh, people are always going to remember that I went to Cody's wedding at Union Tournament, or this was my favorite holiday party when I worked at TQL or whatever. Like, we stick out in people's memories, and you just don't have that for the convention center. You're just not like, oh, yeah, we had a regional conference, but I can't remember exactly where or it wasn't, you know, not, not to dodge a <laughs> dog on the uh, convention center because they do have our murals. They do have our murals, and they and they can do a lot of things. They can that do a lot of things can't that we do cannot here. do. That's correct. Um, but That's it, correct. And a it, lot of events work there that don't work here. It's but it's very hard to disguise where you're at here. It's very hard to trick people into thinking they're not at Union Terminal, um, whereas a lot of other events you can you know dress it up however you want and sort of make it just look like that event, and you sort of lose the sense of space. Uh, the sense of place that you're at for that. But in in thinking about weddings, for example, I, we don't just do weddings. And, and you said that. And we had a, uh, a birthday party for a woman who's been a, a lifelong supporter of Cincinnati Museum Center and, and Union Terminal, her 90th birthday party earlier this year, which was a lot of fun because Union Terminal also celebrated its 90th birthday. So they kind of had a, a dual party together. But bands, musicians, they have writers in their contracts. Brides and uh, people booking events, they, they all have essentially have writers, right. right? Can you do something about these lights? Can we make these lights of this color? And uh, what can we do about this? And, and on and on and right. on and on. And you and the events team do a really wonderful job of accommodating that and trying to make those events special because the space itself is, is memorable but the event itself has to be memorable as right. well and that's where you come in and and a big shout out to our partner on campus here ssa yeah um that there are food and retail uh vendor here that owns our licensing with the state so they're the ones that can really will go above and beyond of like our chef here is very adventurous ashley is fantastic because sometimes um you know a bridal couple their favorite meal isn't on the menu, and she loves to go rogue off the menu. Sorry to call you out there, Ashley, but uh, we have that ability to, you know, fit w what your requests are as long as they're reasonable, um, you know, to the building. Uh, we are historic 
venues. So there are some, or building and or museum centers. So there are some no's that we can't have um, that you could at the convention center. Like, so we have a historic walls. I can't have anything taped on the walls. Like all signs have to be freestanding. You have to have a vet insurance here just in case, you know, somebody gets a little too tipsy and knocks over a dinosaur, you, you know. Yeah. So there are some unique things about this, this building that, that makes having events challenging sometimes. Some, yeah, some sometimes of the, it elevates it as well. Some of the things that elevate it also make it a little harder. And, right. uh, and, and to talk about SSA and to give them a little bit of a shout out as well, people are probably familiar with them. Um, they, they work at Cincinnati Zoo as well. They work in museums and in um, places across the nation. Yeah, places yeah. across the nation. So, um, the but what's awesome about them is you have a big event, you have these events, and you see executives from SSA plating up food and helping expo food and get get dishes out to these large events. That's so great to see how top to bottom invested they are in making sure that these events are executed to you know, to to this level of excellence that we want to provide for people. Yeah, sometimes I'm uh, I'm astounded, like, wow, you guys got that done in record time. That was 800 dinners. Yeah, <laughs> you know, how did you how did you do that? I wouldn't. I, I'm a big foodie and I love to cook, but you know, I wouldn't be able to to get all that out on time. So they're very talented of what they do. Right. And uh, I'm very happy that there are partners here because uh, they do a better job at that than I am. I'm more of the uh, detail, get you in and out, load you in and out, ex- execute your event. But the food service, I'd be a little lost on. So big ups to them. Have you have you worked um, in food service? No. No? No. Wow. I mean, around it. I've been adjacent yeah. to it. Um, I was a... I hate this term, uh, a celebrity bartender at the Poison Room when I worked at WEBN. Uh, so that was probably the Venomous closest. Venomous Valdez can bartend as well? You're a mixologist? Uh, yes. So I, like, I'm a You big, can scratch and you can mix? Um, I'm a big foodie, and I enjoy the art of food. I also enjoy the art of alcohol. You know, the we have a wonderful um, beer scene here. Of, of craft breweries that, that for me that that's art i love tasting it i'm not necessarily the type of person that will drink to get drunk or anything like that but i i like to taste your hard work like i know what that goes into of trying to get a successful recipe and to do it well is an art form so talk to me about your celebrity bartending what's your what's your <laughs> Your drink of choice. What's your specialty? So everyone in the music scene already knows this answer because uh, it's it's funny to be uh, pretty. My alcohol love, lifetime love, is Guinness. Really? Yes. I drink like an old man. I love Guinness and scotch. <laughs> I love a good peaty scotch. Have you been to, to Ireland? Oh, absolutely. Many times. I'm going back in November as well. Have you been to the, yes, I have. the Guinness Willy yes, Wonka factory? Yes. I was there for six hours. It's a very long, huge museum. And I learned a lot of things that I didn't know. Like there is one part of the museum, because it's a museum. It's it's not, it's different than any other like distillery or brew house that you go to. Guinness is very old. It started in 1759 and it has endured many wars. Like we don't think about World War II. Ireland was a um, sustained from the war. They were very much like Switzerland. They did not fight in World War II. But the Nazis didn't distinguish them to be any different from England. Um, And Nazis uh, bombed cargo ships, and it didn't matter what it was. 
And they took out a lot of Guinness uh, ships during World War II. So they have a part of their museum dedicated to what happened to that corporation during World War II because they were trying to ship everywhere around the world. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. And that was a unique time for, you know, the world, but particularly them. You don't really think about that in that context of, like, how shipped goods was being sabotaged by Germany during yeah, the war. Yeah, the, the, the ripple effects of that. And that's... Yeah. So how would you, how would you evaluate Cincinnati's beer and brewing scene compared, you know, with your love of Guinness and um, in your time in Ireland? I will, I will say this. Um, I have never tasted a craft stout that even comes close to Guinness or Murphy's is the other one in Ireland, which is a very smooth. I love the the smoothness and chocolatiness uh, of Guinness and Murphy's. It has yet to be replicated because usually it's a it's a much heartier, a dirtier, grittier kind of uh, stout that you'll get at, at craft breweries. So there is no equal to those in my eyes. But our scene as a whole, we're the best. I I mean I'm not not because I'm a Cincinnatian, but. We're very lucky with how many craft breweries and distilleries because we are we are at the top of the bourbon trail. So we have a unique history. Also, I can talk for hours on to end about our brewing history in Cincinnati. Um, you know, we were the number one brewer for beer and whiskey in the world till um, mid-prohibition. That Yeah. Venomous Valdez is just dropping and knowledge on everyone. And one of on my everyone. favorite uh, unique Cincinnati uh, facts is, you know, we were founded by Germans, and the city is built over a series of beer tunnels because before refrigeration, that's how you kept things cool. Right. So there's all these, and th- some of these tunnels still exist. You can take a tour, and, and there's actually some venues, like Ghost Baby, that's actually in one of these beer tunnels in Over the Rhyme. Um it started as uh, you know a way to refrigerate beer. Fast forward to the Civil War; those very tunnels were used for people um, to escape to freedom. Because the unfortunate thing is, even though that Ohio or Cincinnati was the first free city to escape to, there were still people that were recapturing freed slaves to yeah. sell them back. So those series of tunnels, you know, lay freedom for a lot, and then. Uh, fast forward to Prohibition, uh, George Remus utilized those uh, tunnels to, you know, as a way to move his alcohol to continue that production during Prohibition. And in fact, he even built more because he built a, a maze. So if there was any feds that were on his tail, they could never find and they never did. So there were, there's, uh, particularly under Price Hill, there's tunnels that lead nowhere because they were fake outs. And George Remus was a national level. He does uh, not get enough credit gangster. to where he was. He was the richest and and largest. Uh, he would object to the term gangster because he never considered his his operation to be a mob family. But they were a hundred percent a mob family. Yeah. What? So you have a love love of history. I, lo- I love a history, and that was part. Um, that was a big part of why I responded to the job listing because. In June of 2020, I wasn't looking to have any income coming in for at least six months. 
not being independent wealthy, I was forced to, you know, find a job. And I saw a listing that that uh, we were hiring here for an event manager that had AV experience. And I was like, that's me. I love this city so much. I love the history and can talk about it till I'm blue in the face. So um, I was pretty much hired interested. Uh, instantly the, the <laughs> job description was written for it you it was written for specifically me. yeah and i love at... it here and people ask me all the time like do you miss it and i miss some things about touring but i'm really enjoying actually taking vacation and travel <laughs> than having to do it for a living do you get to enjoy music more now that you're not as did music sort of become work mm-hmm. for you and take some of that joy out of it uh, it takes the joy out of it i it, i can't I can't be a. It's hard for me to be a, a regular concert goer, because when I go see a show, I'm too busy. What's happening in the soundboard? What's happening on the side of the stage? I. I that's me as being a tour manager of constantly observing. So, it, it, I'm taking out a little bit of of the experience. But there are, at this point, there's not many that I haven't scene that I want to see um, and I'll give you an example uh, my latest concert uh, is Jason Isbell I've known him for 20 some odd years because he was in the drive-by truckers who toured with a local band Heartless Bastards at the time that I, I met them year, years and years ago um, he doesn't like to he could easily play larger venues but he does not want to play anything larger than a 2000 seater uh, because he doesn't want to lose that intimacy with the crowd. And uh, that was my last show that I went to down at the Brady. Um, and so that one was pr- pretty unique for me because like, I, I have that personal connection with the artists on stage. Um, and just like watching everything, it's hard for me to like not be a tour manager at a concert. So I just don't experience it the way that I used to say thirty years ago. You still can't turn I, that. I can't turn, turn that off. switch off. And I and I don't see that ever not happening. <laughs> I'm not even going to the Taylor Swift concert, and I'm like uh, all about the <laughs> stage production because she's the second artist to use this wristband technology. Yes, Coldplay I've heard that. being the first. So all these kids that are coming into the concert are going to get this wristband, and it's going to light up with lighting clue, uh, cues during the concert. Um, it's effectively making them part of the audience, and that's one thing that I hear. You know, I have friends that are big Swifties that have, you know, experienced her shows before, and they all say, I feel included. I f- she makes me feel like this is an intimate performance, which is a huge, mad respect because you lose that intimacy in large shows. So, um, you know, I, I respect her for being able to keep that at a football stadium. There's, that is something that's reserved for old white men that's playing music for generations. You know, that's like a Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney that can sell football stadiums. It's usually not someone who's just barely in her 30s, uh, you know, the, to, to put it in perspective. And she has a multi-generational fall. I mean, all, all stripes... You know, we've seen running around this town for for that concert, which is a, a huge deal. By the time this, this comes out, It'll everyone will yeah. everyone will will be in the in the dust of it. But it, this is a huge moment for the city. Everyone, yeah. it's been like wall to wall. And uh, I'm thrilled because it's showcasing Cincinnati's hard work for decades to build the banks as an entertainment destination. Because we're all old enough to remember it the time before. When nothing was there, we didn't have anything to offer. There was no reason for large concerts to even come here. 
Um, and, and I'm so proud of our city leaders to make these decisions. And it has handed over from one administration to the next administration to keep that to to build this awesome city that we are we're we're very underrated like i've done nothing but you know praise my city everywhere i've ever been you know because when you're on tour everybody's the locals are like well where are you from where are you from and a, and a lot of times you know most people have never even heard of us now it's changing i went to australia in february and because uh, the cincinnati Bengals actually went to the super bowl people knew who we were <laughs> and that was literally i think the first time outside of this country that somebody knew Cincinnati, Ohio. They usually will know Kentucky because bourbon. Really? But Ohio is just lost on them. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I I think we're I think we're getting getting close on time. They so I have one request but one last question. If you could trade roles for a week with anyone in the museum, who would you trade roles with? You. Me? Well, because there's only a few other things that I could do in this museum. A, marketing. I have a very long history of marketing. It was a big part of my job. And I feel a wild sense of job insecurity yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Cody. I, it's, not, it's, uh, it's not too hard. And, and <laughs> then I could, I could do any of the AV jobs as well throughout the museum and um, Animax. Mitch, watch your back, yeah. too. Coming for you, Mitch. <laughs> right. All right, so my my walkaway request is, can you curate a 10-song playlist for Cincinnati Museum Center that we'll link to this episode? Can of Venice, all Cincinnati music? Just Venomous Valdez, curate a playlist for our listeners, uh, music that you think they should hear, that you think is uh, iconic to Cincinnati, or that you... Like, this is... Give us your your love list of a playlist. I I could. I'm probably not going to name ten right off the top of my head. No, we, but we'll start with some of the bands that did very well and became very famous. Um, I knew the kids in Walk the Moon since they were teenagers in high school, um, and they're probably arguably one of the biggest bands that's ever come out of Cincinnati. And like big ups to to Nicholas. I know those guys worked hard, so I'd probably put a Walk the Moon song because that's. You know, your general audience would know them. Another band that got really big out of Cincinnati in the 90s, they were the first band that was not from Seattle that was uh, signed to Nirvana's label, which was the Afghan Wigs, who I've toured with. Um, I would put them in there. They are um, one of my all-time favorite Cincinnati artists. And then there was an artist that I rode with for a very long time called Wussy, um, that probably most people don't know. So I would throw them in there. That would probably be my top three. And the rest I would have to uh, give some thought to because I would want to think about other genres and, and whatnot. But there's a wealth of talent in this town. And like the city of Cincinnati, the music scene is underrated. All right. The, we're we're going to follow up with you, and we're going to get a playlist. We'll link it uh, in the show notes so that people can hear venomous valdez for themselves and i'm very curious to know if anyone remembers you from from the radio so if you remember venomous valdez message us let us know because this has been incredible i think that's what i might call you from now on that's how i'm going to address you in emails that's how i'm going to introduce you to people well we've let the cat out of the bag for very few people know my real name oh no yeah so they either call me v for short or vv 
We yeah. pulled the mask off of you Batman. You pulled the mask off Batman. Wow. This is special. So, <laughs> yeah. Renee, thank you so much. I really uh, appreciate it. Had so much fun talking with you. Yeah. And can't thank wait you to for talk having you again. me. Of course. Yeah, we'll do it again. Thank you for listening to Meanwhile at the Museum. Remember, if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe. But more importantly, come see for yourself. Visit sensimuseum.org to see the latest reasons to visit. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to tell us how much you love the show, send us an email at meanwhile at sensimuseum.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.